Hi, I'm Brendan Francis Noonan. And I'm Rico Galliano. And every week we record our show in the venerable Frank Stanton Studios, home to another little radio show. It's called Marketplace or something. Maybe you've heard of it. Probably not. Anyway, even though we've been in the business a while, we're still tickled by the fact that we share a studio with one Kai Rizdahl. Yes. Let's face it, the guy's radio royalty. In spades. But here's an interesting thing. After each of his shows, his scripts are put into a little pile. Mm-hmm. And or rather, time, a big pile. A big pile. And every time we record here, we stare at it and all. That's right. And it seems like a waste to just throw it away. So we decided we're going to make you a deal. That's right. If you donate to us at dinnerpartydownload.org this week and send us an email saying you've done so, we will select a few lucky listeners to get a page from one of Kai's scripts autographed by us. <laughs> That's the special part. Hells yeah. No, but I, a few, Rico, I mean, there are thousands of pages here, man. I think I say everyone who donates this week, we will mail you a page from Kai's script with our autograph But on th- it. that could be a ton of work. Dude. Who cares? We're not even sure if we're allowed to be doing this. And we have an intern. So head to dinnerpartydownload.org, give what you can, and we'll send you a piece of radio history. Now let's do the number. I mean, uh, here's your icebreaker. I don't actually have a joke, but uh, years ago I met a very wise old man who told me the secret to comedy. Uh, what is Timing. it? I'm Rico Galliano. And I'm Brendan Francis Noonan. And from American Public Media, this is the Dinner Party Download, the show that equips you to win this weekend's dinner party. Our icebreaker this week came from author Charles Yu. His new book is called How to Live Safely in a Science Fictional Universe. Something, Rico, you really need to read. That's true. <laughs> and coming up, Oscar-winning filmmaker Davis Guggenheim, Ab Apps, A Highway is Born, and the fresh and onlys. But first, let's make some small talk. All week long, you've been hearing this. Maybe the policy of don't ask, don't tell would be repealed. It didn't happen. Officials of the city of Bell, California, were arrested for misappropriating more than $5 million. Republicans pledged to America. Now it's time for something you haven't heard. Jessica Cohen is editor of online women's culture magazine Jezebel, Jessica, what are you going to be talking about this weekend? I'm going to be spending a lot of time on my iPhone because I'm downloading the new Jersey Shore apps. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Did you say apps or abs? Actually, I said apps, but abs play a crucial role in this. The Jersey Shore's breakout star is a gentleman who calls himself The Situation, and his situation refers to his abs, which you have to admit are pretty impressive. They're pretty ripped. And his app is called GTL, I believe, Gym Tanning Laundry. It uses the iPhone's GPS to direct you to the nearest gyms and tanning and laundry. I think this is going <laughs> to negatively impact the sales of our napping, drinking, reading app that Rico and I have been building. <laughs> That's right. It alerts you whenever you're within 100 yards of a cot or a, a bottle of gin. Different audiences. <laughs> Slightly. Who is Who are really buying these apps? Like, they're not jet setters. Honestly? Okay, so here's who's buying the app. I'm at the bar tonight, and I'm on drink three, and I pull out my iPhone, and I download the app. So we had drunk dialing, and now we have drunk downloading. Absolutely. I have. I am not alone here, but I have plenty of apps that I would not have downloaded if I were a teetotaler. And I have plenty of abs. <laughs> Eight of them. Jessica Cohen, thanks for the small talk. Thanks for having me. And now, time for cocktails. This is the part of the show where we tell you something that happened in history and then give you a fitting drink to serve along with it. It's like history's a spawning salmon swimming up a river of booze. (laughs) 
<laughs> we all know how that story ends. <laughs> it's pre-marinated salmon. First, the history part. Right around this time, back in 1940, America's first superhighway opened for service, the Pennsylvania Turnpike. Now, most folks at your dinner party will guess that that turnpike is in Pennsylvania. Bizarre, but true. <laughs> but here to tell you a few things they won't know is Eve Tro, filling in for Michelle Philippi. The Pennsylvania Turnpike is one of America's spectacular road-building feats, the highway of tomorrow. Hey, the guy's right. All 160 miles of the Pennsylvania Turnpike was built in 20 months. Towards the end, workers slapped down three and a half miles of concrete per day. How'd they do it? The Great Depression helped. FDR thought the project would create jobs, so he threw 70 million bucks of taxpayer money at it. Today, that'd be over a billion. Most highways were built to cut down on speeding, but the turnpike aimed to get people places fast. It had bank curves and no steep grades. When a hill near Everett, Pennsylvania got in the way, engineers just carved a million cubic yards of rock right out of it. That's called a highway cut, and it was the deepest of its day. The coolest thing about the turnpike was also the scariest. No speed limit. That lasted about a year. Then World War II broke out, and the government imposed a nationwide speed limit of 35. You can go faster on the turnpike these days, but you might want to try an alternate route. It was recently named the fifth worst road in America. That was the history lesson. Now it's time for the booze. I'm joined now by Carolyn Derrick. She's a bartender here at Sharky's in Edgartown, Martha's Vineyard, where it is after hours. Carolyn, what cocktail does our history segment inspire you to make? Well, uh, when you, you mentioned this time era, when happy hour really became a thing in America. So you think of the classic drinks, the martinis and such. Uh, however, when you think about the road aspect of everyone hitting the highways, I thought of being on the road and, of course, Jack Herrick's famous novel. Yeah, and he actually wasn't shy about drinking, if we anyone who's read his novels can attest. True. In fact, there was a quote, he said, don't drink to get drunk, drink to enjoy life, which kind of ironic since he died at 47. But uh, there's a Jack Kerouac cocktail. There are variations, but two ounces of rum, one ounce of tequila, and then orange juice and or cranberry with some lime. Delicious. That, that sounds delightful. You know, it occurs to me, uh, talking to you about these cocktails, that these guys who built the Pennsylvania Highway were certainly not spending the end of their days sitting around drinking Kerouacs with their pinkies out. I don't think so. <laughs> Probably more like an Iron City beer. So, Brendan, uh, that bar is in Edgartown, Massachusetts. Right, correct? on the island of Martha's Vineyard. All right, so what does that have to do with the Pennsylvania Turnpike? <laughs> Nothing. I was on vacation, man. <laughs> All right. I figured why go? I figured I'd just lean my microphone across the bar, man. Sure. <laughs> Effort is for squares. Folks, you can find that recipe at our website. It's dinnerpartydownload.org. Our guest of honor this week is Davis Guggenheim. He wrote and directed the Oscar-winning An Inconvenient Truth. His new documentary is called Waiting for Superman. It comes out this weekend. And Davis, welcome. It's nice to be here. So this movie is about the public education system. You follow several families as they try to get their kids into good schools. What surprised you the most as you made this thing? Well, I knew that the system was broken, but it's no longer just broken for the poor kids. One of these families is this upper middle class families in Northern California, and they moved to this neighborhood because they had a great public school. They find out that, you know, the school is designed only for the upper track students. Right, the best students, while slower learning kids, don't get the attention. And so the erosion of our schools is everywhere now. 
Now, you put a lot of the blame for these problems on teachers' unions, or at least on the contracts that protect bad teachers. You're thought of as a liberal filmmaker, but that is not a typical liberal stance. Are you getting guff from people who consider this a betrayal? Yeah, I mean, it comes in different forms, not really guff-like. I would actually prefer guff over the stuff that I've had to deal with. But um, the truth is, is that, you know, I am a lefty. You know, I believe in unions, but we're not going to fix our schools unless the adults change. The adults, starting with me, you know, I send my kids to a private school. You know, I have done what many generations have done. It's like, you know, the schools are broken, so I'm going to take care of my own kids and then quickly stick your head in the sand. And part of this film is me saying I'm part of the problem. What what are you doing to change that as far as your kids schooling after making this film? You know, no parent is going to sacrifice their kids for some principle, but you can't abandon your local school. I believe that a good public school is like a beating heart in a neighborhood. And if that heart is sick, the neighborhood will be sick. So my wife and I sat down with our principal of our local public school and we said, how can we help? So even if you send your kids to private school, try to improve the public school. Don't just keep driving by. Go in, find out how to be a good neighbor. And maybe over time it will be good enough for your kids or maybe it'll be good enough for your neighbor's kids or your grandkids. All right, we have two questions that we ask everyone on our show. The first one is, if we're seated next to you at a dinner party, what question would you least like to be asked? Well, the conversation killer is, what are you working on? And I say, I'm making a film about the public school system. And then you hear the silence (laughs) around the table because up until this week, uh, where now we're getting some good publicity, people are like, oh, good for you. And that kind of like condescending, like, you're such a good person, but how pathetic because no one will ever see that film and what a waste of time. But you're the guy that made an inconvenient truth. I mean, surely if anyone's going to see a documentary, it might be yours. They had even a worse expression with that. You're making a film with Al Gore. (laughs) You You know, I mean, that was like deadly. All right, second question. Tell us something we don't know that will dazzle people at a dinner party. The only thing that dazzles people is my wife. I'm married to Elizabeth Shue, the actress, and uh, we, we go to parties and I sit in a corner and she dazzles people. Um, that's, you know, I went into documentaries because I'm, I'm not dazzling. I'm the anti-dazzle. So Rico, Elizabeth Shue is dazzling yes. is not something we didn't know. <laughs> I'm going to have to take that up with the Dinner Party Download Commission. Uh, I'll let Davis know he's under investigation. (laughs) And that's the Dinner Party Download for this week, thanks to Jackson Musker. And we leave you, as always, with One for the Road, a song to listen to on your way to or departing from this weekend's Dinner Party. The band is The Fresh and Onlys. The song is called Waterfall, and it's from their upcoming album, Play It Stranger. As if we could. Bon appétit. You and I know for radio.
I'm Rico Galliano. And I'm Brendan Francis Noonan. And do you hear this? That's right. Rizdal's words. Solid gold, baby. Could be yours. Could make a nice gift. Dinnerpartydownload.org. <laughs> <laughs>